0: right so uh, Joe Biden Um, I was very disappointed with the speech I thought it was very mediocre Um, here's what I tweeted throughout the speech so you get a uh, real-time look of how I was reacting Um, at 1124 I set the stage and said everything in Washington is calm all the politicians are comfortable you just saw my Pence there. Let's run in some B-roll of everything we have. Um, and it was. It was a very calm, um, even jovial, uh, pre-game show, if you will. Doing no menace in the air, nothing. Everybody looked good. It was cool day, but not blustery. Um, and so it was fine. Then at 1140, I said, nice rendition of the national anthem by Lady Gaga. No one knelt. We won't be seeing much kneeling during a Democrat administration. And that is absolutely true. So all of a sudden, the kneeling's going to go away. But Gaga nailed it. She did a nice job. 1144, the nation's most committed left-wing Supreme Court justice, Sonia Sotomayor, swears in Vice President Kamala Harris. So they are politically akin. And if those ladies had their way, I tweeted, America would be a far different country, which is absolutely true. At 1147, I said, I tweeted, nice, this land in America, the beautiful rendition by Jennifer Lopez. There's Jennifer. And uh, there was no dancing, which was a good thing probably for the for the display. At 11.50, I said, quote, crisp oath delivered by Chief Justice John Roberts, who will play a major role in any legal proceedings against Donald Trump. Okay, so keep your eye on Roberts. 12.06, I said standard political speech by President Biden. He condemned white supremacy and racism, called for unity a number of times, did not mention leftist anarchy or... The cancel culture. Did not mention those things. Hope I'm wrong, but I expect ideological governance from Mr. Biden, which will not result in national unity. And finally, the last tweet was dark light, purpose resolve. Joe Biden's speech was standard issue, no clarity on the division that does indeed threaten the United States of America. Disappointing. Okay. So uh, I'll get to my analysis after I run in three soundbites from the new president. Soundbite number one. Go.
1: The dream of justice for all will be deferred no longer. A cry for survival comes from the planet itself. A cry that can't be any more desperate or any more clear. And now a rise of political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism, that we must confront and we will defeat
0: now is that domestic terrorism does that include antifa and the black lives matter movement you see if you're gonna do the unity thing you've got to put all the hate groups into one pot but he didn't do that did he Soundbite
1: number two go Politics doesn't have to be a raging fire, destroying everything in its path. Every disagreement doesn't have to be a cause for total war. And we must reject the culture in which facts themselves are manipulated and even manufactured.
0: Okay, does that mean no more anonymous sources in the press to destroy... You, Mr. Biden, or your predecessor, Donald Trump, is that what that, what does that mean? What does that mean? Okay, I mean, I'm a guy who deals in facts, so we must reject a culture in which facts themselves are manipulated and even manufactured. All right, so that's propaganda you're talking about, right? So where, where is that propaganda? Where does it lie? Is it Fox News? Is it CNN? Where, where is it? We don't get that. We don't get anything specific. And the final soundbite,
1: go. Our history has been a constant struggle between the American ideal, that we're all are created equal, and the harsh, ugly reality that racism, nativism, fear, demonization have long torn us apart. The battle is perennial, and victory is never assured. Through civil war, the Great Depression, World War, 9-11. Through struggle, sacrifice, and setbacks, our better angels have always prevailed. In each of these moments, enough of us, enough of us have come together to carry all of us forward. Now that was the best part
0: of this speech, because it's true. If you look at the history of this country, we have always turned wrongs around. Not perfectly, and it takes a while to do that. Slavery is a perfect example. It took 100 years for African-Americans to get parity of opportunity in this country. Happened, but it took a long time. Depression took 12 years to turn it around. Okay, so summing up. Whoever wrote Biden's speech wasn't going to be specific about anything. And that's a hallmark of Biden's campaign. He never says, well, this is what I'm going to do. All he had to say today would have been, I would like the people who want to impeach Donald Trump to stand down. I don't think that's necessary for our country going forward. I want to bring unity. With the 74 million people who voted for Mr. Trump, I want to be respectful to them. I want to be their president as well. So therefore, I'm calling for this thing to go away, this impeachment. Now, I would have taken courage, and that would have put Joe Biden into the history books. But he didn't do it. I don't think he's capable of doing it. I don't think he's a courageous man. I've never seen him do anything courageous. And I'm not an ideologue. I'm not coming at it from a party point of view or any of that. I'm going to give him a chance. But in his entire career, I have never seen him do anything courageous. Now, I might have missed it. And if you've seen it, please write to me, bill at billoreilly.com. Now, the reaction to the speech was from the media. It's the greatest speech since Lincoln's second inaugural address that's malice toward none the greatest speech ever roll it i thought it was a great speech um i've been listening to these inaugural addresses since 1961 john f kennedy asked not i thought this was the best inaugural address i ever heard okay now this is speculation and it might not apply to mr wallace But it's hard for me to believe as a historian that uh, anyone would take that point of view. However, you must understand when politicians and media people say things, they have an agenda. It is very important for certain news agencies to have access to President Biden. Very important. Now, Mitch McConnell is playing that game, too. He wants to be Biden's pal because he wants the Republicans to have a semblance of power. So that's why you're seeing McConnell slam Trump. Again, I'm not telling you anything specific here because it wouldn't be fair of me to do that. I am telling you That when you hear things like that that don't quite add up, there's usually a reason they're being said. All right, let's get back to the violence. Now, this was hyped by the media that there was going to be violence on Inauguration Day by deranged Trump supporters and white supremacists and militias and all of those people. They were going to go wild. Well, they didn't go wild. And here's what I said on January 12th. FBI says there are going to be attacks everywhere on inauguration day. I would have liked to see the FBI say, "Hey, we could have some trouble to state capitol in Washington DC in the national capital. Maybe we'll put the guard out there." But the FBI didn't do that. Didn't have any warning about that. But now on inauguration saying all these right-wing goons are going to come out and cause trouble and they'll be heavily armed. Do I believe that? No. That's why you're watching me right now, listening to me on the radio right now. That's why you're BillOReilly.com, premium and concierge members. All right, Donald Trump. So he takes off in the morning. Uh, He made a mistake by not explaining why he did not go to the inauguration. All he had to say was, look, I don't want to be a, a distraction. And he would have been had he gone. Of course, everyone would have known that. would have been tension in the gallery. So... He could have said, look, I'm not going because of that. But he didn't say that because he doesn't listen to me. (laughs) Anyway, he gave a speech at uh, Andrews Air Force Base before he departed for Palm Beach. I got two sound bites from the speech for you. Roll the first one.
2: We must never forget that while Americans will always have our disagreements, we are a nation of incredible, decent, faithful, and peace-loving citizens who all want our country to thrive and flourish and be very, very successful and good. We are a truly magnificent nation. All Americans were horrified by the assault on our capital. Political violence is an attack on everything we cherish as Americans. It can never be tolerated. Now more than ever, we must unify around our shared values and rise above the partisan rancor and forge our common destiny.
0: All right, that was nice. That was fine. Does President Trump believe that? Yeah, to some extent. But I believe he sees himself as a victim.
2: Second soundbite, roll it. At the center of this heritage is also a robust belief in free expression, free speech, and open debate. Only if we forget who we are and how we got here Could we ever allow political censorship and blacklisting to take place in America? It's not even thinkable. Shutting down free and open debate violates our core values and most enduring traditions. In America, we don't insist on absolute conformity or enforce rigid orthodoxies and punitive speech codes. We just don't do that.
0: All right, now. This is the most important part of the day. Trump is condemning the censorship that took him off Twitter. Biden, if you noticed, was condemning false information. Not exactly justifying the social media companies that are practicing censorship. Not exactly, but close. Those are the two positions which will prevail, it's going to be a battle. All right, at the Trump speech in Andrews Air Force Base, his family, Mark Meadows, Chief of Staff, Stephen Miller, who wrote that speech you just heard, uh, Kash Patel, um, Congressman Ronnie Jackson from Texas, Sean Spicer, and a bunch of others. Several hundred people there. Um, And uh, then the president took off at 9 a.m. He is in Palm Beach now. Before he left, the president pardoned a number of people. Uh, I was on a Hannity radio program today. He asked me about it, and I I told him, honestly, I don't really care. Barack Obama and Bush the Younger, everybody pardons on their way out. You'll remember Bill Clinton pardoned that horrible Mark Rich and never explained it in a million years. The guy's dead now. The worst tax cheat in American history. Bannon got pardoned, Steve Bannon. Um, Lil Wayne got pardoned. Uh, what did He had a possession of a firearm, I guess. Uh, Kodak Black, another uh, artist, he got pardoned. Kwame Kilpatrick, former mayor of Detroit, got pardoned for corruption. Um, and uh, Jeanine Pirro's former husband uh, got pardoned. And a bunch of others. But, again, does it matter to you, to me? No, it doesn't matter. All right, let's bring in our guest, and I've been looking forward to talking to him. He's Dr. Jay Showorth, coming to us from Auburn, California. He's a professor of social studies at Queens College in City University of New York, but he bailed out of New York because New York is chaos, and he's in California, which is even more chaotic. Hey, doctor, at least you got good weather out there, right? <laughs> all right well i'm glad because things are not good
3: in the golden state
0: anything stand out today in the inauguration to you
3: what stood out to me was this idea of stewardship where he says what will people say about this moment in the future will we have stood for truth and for justice and he says that's an ideal that we need to stand for um you mentioned earlier the second inaugural he does, me- or in- he does mention a quote from Lincoln in the first inaugural where he talks about the better angels. And to me, I felt that was an attempt at how can we reconcile um, t- two very divided wings ideologically in the country? Did you take anything specific
0: from the speech at all? Did you get any indicator of what President Biden will do?
3: What I liked is he said that we will engage with our allies, Um, you know, pretty much uh, an homage to JFK's uh, reaching out to the NATO allies in the 1960s. Um, And I agree, I think inaugurations are not a place to talk about specifics. They're a time to talk about broad ideals, and in this case, optimism, unity. Um, His first act in in office was to do a silent prayer for for the families of 400,000 people who died from COVID. Um, You know, and so to me, that struck me as a a nice empathetic tone, and I welcomed it.
0: Okay, but when you have 25,000 troops uh, surrounding the Capitol in Washington, D.C., and you do have a divided country, as everyone knows, isn't it uh, incumbent upon the new president to give the nation a hint of how he's gonna try to bring everybody together, give them maybe one or two things that he will do, he will champion
3: to make that happen? Well, I don't know how long he wanted to speak at the inauguration. Again, I don't think that's um, the object. And if you look back at other famous inaugurations, I mean, you talked about um, Lincoln's second inaugural, uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about JFK's in a bit. They don't offer specifics either, because I think if you offer specifics, um, you might be walking yourself into uh, you know expectations uh, that might change later, and uh, frankly, I think it's very complex on how we bring people together. And he did hint at that—that um, that he is the president of all people, um, you know. And I think that's a first step. And I think that's the point of an inauguration: is to signal, "Here's my first step. Here's my outlook," and let my presidency, uh, you know, you know, uh, let those things unfold. All
0: right, I'm jaded. I uh, got nothing out of that speech as an American. I got nothing out of it. Zero. Okay, so let's run down some uh, in, uh, fun facts on inaugurations. William Henry Harrison, all right, February 9th, 1773, he was born. Old guy when he took over. Uh, he was uh, Tippecanoe. That's what his nickname was. He was a fighter, Indian fighter. When he was inaugurated in 1841, he spoke for two hours in freezing cold weather with no jacket and 90 days later he was dead from pneumonia isn't that unbelievable 30 days later not 90 30 days later he's dead from pneumonia after giving a 2 hour speech in a cold and i think he, i think you know that weakened his immune system i'm not a doctor but that's what i look
3: like from a historian uh, it's tragic and it does create a bit of a constitutional crisis first of all you're right he speaks for almost 2 hours the speech is amazing it's over 8400 words He starts by invoking uh, the ideals of the ancient Roman Republic and then mentions the president's responsibility to uphold the Constitution, I think, 30 or 40 times. But you're right. Uh, He forgoes the hat. He forgoes the jacket. And he forgoes the carriage ride back to the White House. He actually goes back on horseback. And then he's dead, as you said, almost a month later. But then we got John Tyler, one
0: of the worst presidents in the history of the country, because he was a slave kind of guy. Um, so Harrison is out of there. Now, Lincoln, uh, his inauguration in a second, as I write about in Killing Lincoln, my book uh, Killing Lincoln, I thought was the best seven-minute address, seven minutes. That's all it was. And, of course, the famous uh, quote is, With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness and a right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive to finish the work we are in, which is uniting the nation, all right, after the Civil War, um, Bind up the nation's wound, care for him who have borne the battle for his widow and his orphan. He's not just saying the North, he's saying everybody. I thought that was absolutely brilliant and the the
3: best in Oregon address. Do you agree? It's certainly in the top three, Bill. I mean, he has the extraordinary task of trying to reconcile a nation uh, that's been divided by war. Um, And What what really struck me is on um, sentences 12 and 13, um, he says that slavery is the cause for this. And he says that yet we shouldn't judge people who have owned slaves, which I found to be almost a shocking statement. Um, But his goal here is how do we come together? And he's very forgiving. And I don't think you can forgive anybody who owns slaves, but his role as president was to come together, and by using malice toward none, and in the first inaugural, the better angels of our nature. I think he, you know, sets it on that on that trajectory at least. Listen, uh, the
0: people who want to remove Abraham Lincoln's name from the high school in San Francisco have no blanket idea about the man. He wasn't operating on a moral imperative by saying, "Hey, if you own slaves, it's okay." He wasn't doing that. What he was trying to do was bring it all down, so that people could practice citizenship in one nation again. That's called the greater good. Now, perhaps the most uh, charismatic president in my lifetime was John F. Kennedy, and here is his famous inaugural remarks, go.
3: I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it and the glow from that fire can truly light the world and so my fellow Americans ask not what your country can do for you ask what you can do for your country
0: JFK 35th president 43 years old when he gave that address First Roman Catholic, and Joe Biden is the second Roman Catholic president. Now, it is stunning to me that some people think Joe Biden's address today was actually better than JFK's call for service that all Americans unite to make their country better. How about you? What do you think?
3: I'm not going to weigh in on that. I think it's too early. I think we need to see more about what Joe actually does uh, to, to put these things into action. And you're right, this speech by JFK is very much about service. He later asks, will you join in that historic effort? And again, JFK himself, a World War II vet, I think feels very strongly about this idea of giving selflessly to the country. And what I appreciated with Biden's tone is that his theme was American Anthem and, you know, contrasted with Trump's American carnage, I think there's more potential for people to come together and to serve a common good.
0: What do you mean by American
3: carnage? Well, I think Trump's, well, that was a quote from Trump's uh, first inauguration. And I felt his tone was a little bit dystopian. And again, he says that the problems in America, he alone is qualified to um, solve them and you know whether or not he what is or was wasn't the point the point was i didn't hear the call for all americans to join into uh, how do we make america better and for biden until, i felt that he was speaking to all
0: people not until today i mean trump absolutely believed that he was walking into a corrupt situation and he wasn't going to sugarcoat it which is why he won the first time around and biden is totally different than that but again i will be surprised if six months from now, we'll have you back, doctor, in six months, we see any kind of a unification platform by the new Biden administration. I hope we do, but I'll be surprised. Hey, doc, thanks for helping us out. Enjoy California. Now, DeRoy Murdoch is a, is a writer um, and uh, smart guy, I think. Uh, he and I wrote a column at the same time, almost simultaneously, about the Trump legacy. So what Trump did well in his four years, because you're never going to get this from the mainstream media. So let's just run it down. I think this is instructive. All right, so um, you know that Donald Trump cut corporate taxes. That was the big thing. Brought the corporate tax down to 21%. Biden says he's going to raise it. That stimulated corporations spending more money expanding their business. And when you expand your business, you hire more people, more jobs were created, lowest unemployment rate, lowest for minorities, all of that, all right? Median income, the most important stat, goes up to close to $70,000 a year, all right? Wages grew in 2019, for example, 3.6%, way more than inflation. So on the economic front, Trump was very successful, and if anybody tells you that's not true, they are lying to you. Secondly, energy, and again, that's, you know, we're seeing energies go up. That's going to continue to happen because Biden's going to attack fossil fuel. Well, the United States is now energy independent. We don't have to buy from OPEC, and we export energy, bringing money into this country. It's going to stop, okay, under Biden. On the mass incarceration level, Trump was pretty liberal. I mean, he he did a whole bunch of things to uh, free up people who were in prison for a long period of time, who may have been unjustly sentenced. He did that. Then on the VA front, he totally reorganized the Veterans Administration and gave veterans the uh, right to use doctors in hospitals of their choice. Tremendous tremendous uh improvement there all right you know about the border wall about 500 miles of it we went over this in the top of the program he made a deal with obidore to stop the caravans and all of that so um 53 percent from 2019 to 2020 drop in people illegally crossing our border 53 percent some of that was covid but most of it was mexican army ISIS. Trump destroyed it. All right. So al-Baghdadi got it right in the head. Soleimani, the uh, Iranian terrorist, got it. Where's ISIS? When was the last time you heard about ISIS? Under Obama, ISIS ran wild. Obama-Biden. Okay. Did that. Israel signed four peace accords with Arab states. Now, does that influence you? No. But it's good for the world to have peace between Arab states and Israel, is it not? I think so. That was Trump. Um, China, that's a mixed bag because we don't know how much Donald Trump's trade, um, war, tariff, whatever you want to call it, affected China. They'll never tell us the truth, but Trump was not soft on China. Biden will be. You wait and see operation warp speed. Vaccine in less than a year against COVID? Who does that? That's almost a miracle. The unfortunate part is we have the vaccine and the government, federal, state and local can't get it to us. What else is new? Big government. The scientists developed the vaccine because the feds are paying Pfizer and the others a bloody fortune. Though so the scientists did their job. And now we can't even get it to the folks because government never works on that level. Big government. All right. Here's a story that I hadn't been able to get to uh, because we've been so much. And this is a very, very important story for all Americans to hear. And you will not hear it anywhere else but here on the No Spin News. You're not going to hear this anywhere else. So in Los Angeles, there was an illegal alien named Herbert Nixon Flores, 46 years old. There he is. He's from El Salvador or was from El Salvador. MS-13 gang member. Herbert was deported 10 times and came back 11 times. He shot and killed his girlfriend, Karen Ruiz, in front of their three-year-old daughter baby is right in there, he kills Karen Ruiz, all right? Now, the cops finally in Los Angeles, finally tried to run him down, and he killed himself, all right? So Flores killed himself. Now, since 1990, Flores had been convicted of carrying a concealed weapon, burglary transportation of a controlled substance. That means a dope dealer, all right? Driving under the influence, resisting arrest, vandalism, criminal threats. All of that, deported him 10 times, okay? Came back 11 times. In September, he was arrested for domestic violence on Miss Ruiz, beat her up. ICE said to the LA County authorities, hold him. He's been boarded 10 times. We'll take him now. L.A. County, let him out. Let him out. And he killed Ms. Ruiz. Now, you remember in 2015, I proposed Kate's Law. It got all the way up to the Senate. Who killed it? The turtle, Mitch McConnell. Remember that? He killed it single-handedly. Karen Ruiz would be alive today. If Kate's law had been passed, and it would have been passed, if not for Mitch McConnell, who wouldn't put it up as a standalone vote. Why? I can only speculate because I wrote it. I was the one who wrote it. What did it say? If you are a convicted felon and you're deported and come back, you are immediately arrested. And if convicted, and you would be because you're back you get 10 years in a federal penitentiary. 10, minimum. Commit a felony in the USA, convicted of the felony, deported back to your home country, you come back, they catch you, 10 years. You don't have to commit another crime, just the fact that you're standing here. Now what is wrong with that law? Who would object to that law? Hundreds if not thousands of people are dead since 2015, because the turtle wouldn't put it up for a vote because he didn't like the fact that I did it. So you know how I feel about Senator Mitch McConnell. Los Angeles, homicides up 150% compared to last year at this time. Shootings up 234%. Victim shot in South Los Angeles, okay, that's the minority district, up 742%. Get the feeling that there's anarchy in L.A.? There is. There's no law enforcement, and they cut back on the cops, defund the police, all right? So the LAPD can't even answer traffic accidents anymore. That's how bad it is. Atlanta. Another chaotic situation. In 2020, last year, 157 homicides compared to 99 and 219. They have defunded the police there, and more than 200 officers in Atlanta have quit because the liberal leadership will not back them. NBC News poll, are you worried about the country or hopeful and optimistic? Hopeful and optimistic worried and pessimistic, 53%. Worst state for anxiety over the country, Missouri. In Missouri, people spend three hours and 18 minutes every day worrying about stuff. They're stressed out. Mississippi second. All right, let's get to the mail. We'll go to Nancy Biffus, Lowell, Michigan. Bill, you said many times that if things don't go well in the next two years, the voters will take the Democrats out of power in Congress. Why do you think the election will be fair in two years when it was fraud this year? Do you know that there were 13 seats picked up by the Republicans in the House, Nancy? 13. This time. So, yes, I think there was some fraud in in very select places like Philadelphia and Detroit. Atlanta, but nationwide, I think the elections are honest. Janet, concierge member, which means Janet has direct access to me privately by email. You can ask me anything I, she wants privately. Now, Janet posts this on the message board on Bill With all the Biden plans you laid out, Bill, you still want to give him a chance? Democrats have been courting immigrants since the Civil War just for votes. We'll give him a chance. That's the kind of guy I am. All right. Maybe he'll surprise me. Maybe he'll enforce the border. Denise, tell me again, Bill, how the Republicans will take back the House and Senate when Biden will give millions of citizenship to illegals. Well, if he does that, that's going to help the Republicans. The more chaos there is with illegal immigration, the more the Republicans will be helped. Robert, Bill, you said Biden wants to raise corporate taxes. Was a Pfizer CEO too stupid to know this when he torpedoed Trump? Pfizer would have made less money under Trump because Trump was going to cap the amount of, uh, of they could charge for their drugs. Biden's never going to do that. Drug companies and lawyers are going to go run wild under Biden. Okay, so everybody thinks that Biden's going to keep the cost down. He's not. So it was a pure Pfizer knew Trump was worse for them than Biden. Eugene, Concierge member. Thank you, Eugene. When Lady Gaga sings the national anthem, I wonder how many will be kneeling. I don't think you're going to see anybody kneeling at the inauguration more. Could be wrong. I don't think you will. Paul Butko, Sarasota, Florida. It seems to me that the new administration will be leading America down a godless path, the opposite to which America was founded upon. Well, Biden's going to go to church every Sunday. He's always has. As I said, he, I think he's dragging Mitch McConnell in on this coming Sunday. But, you know, I'm a Catholic, and I can't understand Joe Biden's abortion posture. I just can't. So I'm not getting into that. I'm not casting aspersions on Biden's Catholicism. That's between him and his God. But to me... Donna Pike, Olympia, Washington. Bill, would you please explain in simple language how big tech was able to dismantle Parler? Parler needs a distribution service. All right. And Amazon shut it down. And so did uh, Facebook and a few others. And apps went dark and Parler couldn't get, I, I don't know technology. I'm not sophisticated there, but their distribution was shut down. Diane O'Brien, Maple Grove, Minnesota. We know the corrupt media hypes news when they shouldn't, leaves out important information, and they are corrupt. In the event of a crisis, national, local, how can we trust emergency information they provide? You can't. That's why you come here. That's why we set up the website, BillOReilly.com. I mean, this has been going on for a long time. I, I was in the middle of it. You saw me for more than 20 years. Once I left... The corporate media, I knew I had to do this. We'll always tell you the truth. So you have a resource here. William Miguel Largo, Florida, thank you for your final thought and the word of the day, perspicacious, I will try to be that, excellent word, and I am not going to watch the BS news shows. Good for you, Bill. You'll be a much happier person. David Concierge, remember, thanks for sharing today's final thought. Your advice is precisely what I've done, and I am a much more calm, happy person we're not watching the garbage on the television news agencies. Okay, so we have an unbelievable deal. By the way, if you want to write to me, it's bill at com. bill at com. Name in town if you wish to opine. If you pre-order Killing the Mob, which is, you're going to love this book, we'll give you 50% off killing Crazy Horse or the United States of Trump. My last two books, Your Choice, fabulous deal. So I hope you take advantage. Word of the day, when writing to us not be a curmudgeon. Some people allege that I am a curmudgeon. I can't believe they do that, but they, they do not be a curmudgeon. All right, final thought in a moment. All right, here's the final thought of the day. It was January 21st, 1985. Ronald Reagan being inaugurated for the second time. Outside the Capitol, it was 7 degrees, windchill 25 below. Standing outside the Capitol was me, your humble correspondent, on assignment for KATU-TV in Portland, Oregon. I was the anchorman there. Portland was a far different place back then than it is now. I was freezing. But I did the live shot. All right, and I didn't shake. I had been colder than that one other time, and I tell you about that in the message of the day posted on BillO'Reilly.com. But that was my first inaugural experience. Mr. Reagan was sworn in inside the Capitol. They weren't insane to put him outside like we had today because it wasn't that cold there in Washington. But I will never forget standing there for an hour in that weather. I thought you'd like that story. You know, one of the reasons that I can deliver news analysis in a factual and clear way is I've got 45 years of news experience. We'll see you tomorrow.